Hey, for the record, the 70s fans, many of you have asked for it, and now you have it. For the record, the 80s. I am sending you a short preview of the first FTR 80 episode on Heartland Rock. If you like it, search for it in your podcast app, whichever one you use, and please subscribe. Also, for now, just so you know, you can find all source information for this show on the FTR 70 website. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to For the Record, the 80s. This is the place where we take a deep dive into the intersection of the music, politics, and culture of the 1980s. This is Amy, your host for this one-woman, one-mic show. In today's episode, we will examine Heartland Rock. Is it really a thing? Yes. And the political and cultural environment of the 1980s that gave this subgenre of rock life. But first... Thank you for joining me in this inaugural episode of For the Record, the 80s. I've had many fans and supporters of For the Record, the 70s ask for this. So what are we doing here? Well, uh, this is going to be kind of like those ABC after-school specials that we Gen Xers recall. These will be special episodes that delve into some topics of the 1980s, uh, not on a regular rotation like For the Record, the 70s, but dropping into your podcast feed from time to time as a special event. So if you like what you hear today, know that simply listening and then sharing the podcast with someone else that you think might like it is a great way to offer support. You can also give the podcast a good rating on your podcast app, which helps others find the show. I always appreciate hearing from you, everyone who has taken the time to write to me and or offer financial support on Patreon has been so kind It truly is motivational. You can contact me about this episode or anything related to the 80s at ftr80.com if you are so inclined. So let's get started. John Mellencamp said to his biographer, Paul Reese, about being labeled the voice of the heartland. They didn't hang it on Bob Seger, at least not that I know of, and he writes about the same shit as me. It was never true. First of all, the heartland is very conservative in the United States. Indiana is a red state, and you're looking at the most liberal motherfucker you know. If I was the voice of the heartland, my songs would have been vastly different. The American heartland is easy to define. It's 12 states or so in the Midwest, a lot of rural areas, a few cities, Chicago being the largest, and a whole lot of small towns. As Mellencamp said, there are many conservatives, although there also are some liberal areas near colleges and in the cities. Defining Heartland Rock, well, there are a lot of folks who will not even acknowledge that it's a thing, which I think is because it is hard to define, or people will try to define it regionally. I'm going to make my case that Heartland Rock is a thing, a subgenre of rock, and offer my theory on how it can best be defined and why it mattered in the 80s. The Heartland is a region. Heartland Rock is not regional. Like all rock, I think it's easier to think about Heartland Rock as a culture rather than a genre. What's that culture? Well, a perusal of essays and articles about it find phrases like common man, blue collar, working class comes up a lot, 
Joseph Darda, a professor at Texas Christian University, published a book called How White Men Won the Culture Wars in 2021. And he wrote, and I quote, Heartland Rock belonged to wherever salt-of-the-earth white men left to serve in Vietnam, and wherever they returned to live on the dark edge of town. And although most Heartland Rockers held left liberal beliefs, conservatives claimed them as their own for their stories of hard-working white Americans who sacrificed for the nation and then found themselves cast aside amid the anti-racist, feminist, and anti-war movements. It's not that Darda is wrong, that Heartland Rock focused on white male working class culture. It did. However, this very problematic exclusion of African Americans from rock had been going on long before the 80s. In the 50s and 60s, rock and roll was for African Americans and white people. But when R&B and rock became separate and distinct genres, R&B was deemed black, rock became white. And of course, rock bands of the 60s and early 70s borrowed very liberally from the blues. Kalefa Sané said it well in his book, Major Labels, that when R&B and rock split into racially distinct genres, rock music could no longer claim to be America's music, as in representing all of America. It was not for everyone. Now, I agree that the rock of the 70s and 80s was not very inclusive, meaning the people who made the music and got on the radio and the fan base that was targeted was very white and generally very male. I'm not so sure, though, that I can agree that the themes of the music were not for everyone. So, in other words, it's a shame that the music industry worked so hard to segment us. 